Yeah, Brian and I were talking one day, and I said, well, you're kind of a Reformed Baptist. He goes, well, you're a Reformed Pentecostal. I said, okay, well, that makes me a Baptocostal. Relax, though. It's really difficult to begin this. This is the first time I've ever preached in a Baptist church. And so it's very unique. Brian had mentioned that he needed a little bit of assistance every once in a while as he's recovering. And so we go back a ways and we began to share a number of things that weren't ordinarily things that, I don't know, that Baptists discuss or that Pentecostals divulge. And we came to the understanding that God is moving in unique ways in the Castle Rock area and in Colorado and the United States and in the world. And he's doing a new thing. It has caught us all by surprise what he's actually doing, but he's proving the reality of who he is to us in new ways. Guys, how many of the Bible study are here? Raise your hand. You guys who are from the Bible study, we, we have a Bible study that we meet at and we would have prayer at the end of the Bible study. And at the end of the Bible study, we'd pray and all kinds of prayer requests for people to get healed and all that. And we began to see that we'd get reports back. Started with JR. He was in the hospital. He was in intensive care. And they said, we'll pray for JR to get out of intensive care. So we did. And he got out the same day. And that was the start for me of God answering a lot of, in powerful ways, healing prayers. And we'd just never seen it like that before. And that was kind of the beginning of us kind of opening up our minds, thinking, well, maybe God is, is trying to do something that we've not really seen him do on a regular basis. And so that kind of got our attention. Then it began to go on to with all kinds of things. And it's, it's 10 years of it. And in those 10 years, we've kept a record of these things happening. And so we have a book of answered prayers that, that the Lord has done. And it, I mean, that gets your attention when that happens. So that's not my sermon today, but that's the beginning of it. Now, I got saved 45 years ago. I don't want to talk about myself today very much. I have other things to talk about. But when I got saved, I got saved from a situation where I was very satanically oppressed. And it was my fault. I got into it in a way that uh, I wrote, read some books. And I thought, this has to be it. This has to be the truth. And as I got further into one book, I got into the next book and the next book. Before you know it, I had all kinds of crazy spiritual problems. And it sums up as this. A friend of mine, I had talked to him uh, five years ago. And he says, well, you remember when we used to live in these, this house and uh, we were going to school as jewelry students? And I said, yeah, I remember that. We, the house was haunted. He says, funny thing is the house quit being haunted when you moved out. I went, oh, you're kidding me. He goes, no, it all quit. I thought, well, I must have drug it with me. And so I did. I drug it up to another university. And not necessarily that was happening, but all kinds of crazy things were happening. And I was... I was immersed in a very satanic oppression. And so when I first heard the gospel, I jeered at the lady and she said that you need to have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And I was just like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And she looked at me. She says, why? I says, that just sounds so stupid. And so she went that way and I went that way. And I've said this before, you guys have heard this, but I'm walking down the sidewalk saying, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. Oh, that's so stupid. And people would hear me say that. And they says, man, are you all right? I said, I'm fine. I'm fine. 
But what she did when she witnessed to me the gospel, when it finally hit home, it's like she put a backpack on my back. I could not get that thing off. It was, I thought about it every day for nine months till the day I walked the aisle at a church. They sang just as I am without one plea that thy blood was shed for me. And I got up and I walked the aisle and everybody turned and looked and I said, oh, this heathen guy's getting saved. I got saved and I never looked back. 45 years later, I haven't looked back because I was delivered and I knew something good was happening when at night I would have these demonic things come into my room to torment me. They try to choke me, try to possess me and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's a wild story. But one night when they came in, I, I sat up in bed and I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name and by the power of the blood of Jesus, leave. They took off. I went, oh, it works. It works. I didn't have to do that. I just said the blood of Jesus. Bam. And I'm still saying that. I'm still using the power of the blood of Jesus as a weapon to fight against the enemy who really seems to be on the prowl these days. Don't you think? There's one way we can, well, there's a lot of ways we can fight him, but the power of the blood of Jesus is the way. Let's go on here. Let's, I got to get my notes here. That's my testimony. Brian, was that enough? Okay. <laughs> Enough for today. <laughs> yeah, Stick around. You'll hear more, I'm sure. Anyway, we're looking in Matthew chapter 23, verse 26. This sermon is not my own. Well, it is, but the whole story behind this, the beginning of this sermon is not my own. I attend um, Majestic View Church out in Kiowa. And this very unassuming young man who was the youth pastor gets up and begins to preach. And he began, I think, with this particular verse. We'll read this first, and then I'll explain later. In Matthew chapter 23, 26, it says, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may also be clean. And it hit me right in the eye that we were cups. And he says, cleanse the outside, but you need to cleanse the inside. And the guy looks right at us. He wasn't trying to win any popularity contests either. He looked right at me. It seemed like he was looking right at me. He said, clean the inside of your cup. And I kind of went, I don't think I've ever heard that said to me before. The cup is clean on the outside. But he's saying, do the inside of the cup, guy. I thought, no, no, we're, we're good here. And I realized it must have been the Holy Spirit speaking to me because I couldn't get that out of my mind. So now you get to hear it. Luke chapter eleven thirty nine is a further explanation, kind of the same verse. And the Lord said unto him, Now you Pharisees, make clean the outside of the cup and platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. What a diplomat. The ravening and wickedness he talks about. Wicked greed and plunder. The Pharisees always had Jesus' attention, didn't they? He beat the Pharisees up more than he beat up almost anybody else, didn't they? Because he was always saying, you guys are 
hypocrites. And, you know, John the Baptist, snakes, <laughs> vipers. I mean, they weren't winning popularity contests in this new ministry that had arrived in Jerusalem and Israel. When we work at cleaning the inside of the cup like we work at keeping the outside of the cup clean, that's pleasing to God. And I never imagined that, like, the Holy Spirit would accost me and say, <clears throat> you need to clean the inside of your cup, dude. And I was, I was speechless. I had no defense against that. And I thought, well, my, Jill was going to throw this out. I said, give me that cup. I have a sermon illustration. I can use that. So last night we painted the latex on the outside and all the junk and the dirt fell out kind of on the outside and fell on the, on the carpet of the house. But we'll deal with that later. But when I looked and I said, that's a perfect illustration of what Jesus is trying to get our attention of. Now don't despair here. There's good news. There's good news. But the Lord is after these Pharisees. You guys need to do what you're doing ceremonially. You're cleansing the outside of the cup. You're maybe cleaning the inside, sort of. But you need to work on this. It's gross on the inside. I'll ask you later what the state of your own insides are. But there's hope. Until then, the beauty industry I did not believe, I didn't understand this, is expected to surpass $120 billion by 2025 annually across the world. Okay? L'Oreal, ladies, L'Oreal, Cilla brand, viable brand. L'Oreal is the leader with over $40 billion in sales worldwide, annually. American women, I kind of dispute this fact, but we'll just see. Ladies, you can help me with this. Do American women actually spend an average of $3,700 a year on beauty items? Guys, what do you think? Ladies, without a facelift going on, I don't think so. I mean, it's like, I don't know anyone who does that. Well, I kind of know one. <laughs> Not Jill. <laughs> she, none of you here, but I know one who does probably. I was aghast at that. They spend an average of 3700 bucks a year on beauty and products and services. Ah, I can dispute that, I guess. Men's personal care market, you guys aren't off the hook, was valued at $124 billion in 2020. That's men. By 2022, the projected amount was $166 billion worldwide. The whole thing about this is that men and women both spend a lot of time and a lot of money on their outward appearance. In the church, we spend a lot of time on the outward appearance and we work by studying the word on our inward appearance. Is the outward appearance as good as the inward appearance. And our task as Christians are to take advantage of the grace of God that helps us to cleanse the inside of the cup. It's not as easy as it looks. Cleaning the inside of the cup. I have instructions here. I also have instructions. I have instructions for the whole thing here. When you leave here, you're going to be set. Cleaning the inside of the cup. Number one, how do we clean the inside of our cup? We ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness. That's the easy part, you guys. Repenting. 
is the hard part. We turn away from committing the same sin over and over. We turn from committing the same sin over and over. It's a simple, but it's not an easy process. Mount Bierstadt is 14,065 feet high. Mount Evans is 14,271 feet high. The path up Mount Bierstadt, if you've ever climbed it, is an easy path up. I should say it's a simple path up. And the path up Mount Bierstadt and Mount Evans both are simple paths to get up there. But are they easy? They're not easy. If you've done it, Mount Bierstadt is the hardest mountain I ever climbed in my life. And climbed other harder ones, did it in the snow, you name it. Mount Bierstadt has always kicked me. The routes are marked. They're marked with these little rock stacks. They call them cairns, C-A-I-R-N-S. Okay? And you follow one rock stack to the next all the way up the mountain as you do that. If you follow that, it's a simple way to get up there, but it's not easy. The routes are simple. You can almost, you can't see all of them at once, but you can see a, a lot of the route as you go. The route up Repentance Mountain is a simple route. It's not easy, is it? Repenting from those things, someone told me when I was just got saved, I said, man, this is cool. All my sins are forgiven. And the guy kind of pulls me aside, an older Christian. He says, you know, you're going to struggle with this all your life. I said, well, what do you mean? I'm free in Jesus. He goes, I know, but your sinful nature, you're going to struggle with it all your life. And some people win over that better than others. And I went, oh, kind of busted my balloon. But as I look back, I think, wow, he's exactly right. There are things we wrestle with till the day we die. We don't wrestle with and fall into condemnation, but it's just our own sinful nature. It's just the way we are. I wish it wasn't. Before you climb these mountains, you've got to check your water. You've got to check your food. You better take both, and you've got to take a raincoat, of course. If you don't take a raincoat, you'd be in big shape. You also got to check for your shape. Are you in the shape you need to climb this mountain? Not anymore. But we did. We used to be. So the shape before you climb this mountain, before you climb Repentance Mountain, is this. What is your status? Your status as a Christian, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This is one of your status things. There's now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And the law of the Spirit of liberty of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. That's one of your status things. Another one is 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I'm trying to remember this. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and any man that has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. 1 John 1, 7 is another one. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood, there we are, the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ 
cleanses us from all of our sin. It's like, now, why am I preaching on repentance when we know all of our sins are forgiven? Because we have a tremendously difficult habit of not committing sin anymore. The grace of God cleanses us of all of our sin, right? We are clean. But there's times we have to repent again and say, Lord, I'm so sorry to me to say that. Oh, oh, how did I say that word? I don't believe I've been thinking this thought. I thought, I thought my, my sins are forgiven. Well, maybe I better just go back to the Lord anyway and make sure. You see? There's another one. This is even cooler. In Revelation 13, 8, the second half of the verse, he says, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. You guys, he saw you coming. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. He had it covered before you were ever thought of. Before your name was invented, before you ever had a birth certificate. None of that. He knew what needed to be done to save mankind, and it was the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. He knew our situation. And so God has you covered. So let's go to the other side. The other side is this. It's the simple, but not the easy path of repentance. How do we overcome this tendency to say and do things that we find, I'm 66 right now, I find I'm still doing it. I'm still doing things, thinking things. How do we get past this tendency we have called sin? One of them is this, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Paul says this, bringing every thought to the captivity and the obedience of Christ. Oh, is that like impossible? You know how your mind just goes, and you can't think half the time a straight thought, like especially laying in bed in the morning, and you're going to get up and says, how am I going to get by? How am I going to do this day? Oh, my gosh. This is just impossible. We can't do this. Two days ago, I threw my back out, picking up a piece of wood out the house, and I couldn't walk hardly yesterday, and I'm trying today. But I'm laying there freaking out today going, I got to preach today. How am I going to do this? I know. I'll fake it. I'm trying not to. <laughs> but if we can bring our thoughts or begin to learn to bring our thoughts, every thought we ever think, Paul says it's possible. We can bring every thought to the captivity and the obedience of Christ. At 66 years old, I vow to try to do this. Finally, I never wanted to do this. So I didn't do it. And you know what happens to your thought life, right? Come on. You know what happens to your thought life. Not just us guys either. Okay. Put on paper. I'm going to demonstrate this to you. This works, guys. This works. I'm, I am practicing what I'm preaching on this particular situation. We put on paper the scriptures that help us stay in a repentance mindset. So we memorize them. I have two of them right here. This, you can read that. What's that say? Fear. When I have fear, 
which for some stupid reason, I still fret over certain things I shouldn't be afraid of, but I do anyway. And the Lord has showed me many times over and over, I got this, man. What, what are you, what's your problem? I got this. We're good, but I still fear. So I went and found Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the fowler's snare and from the noisome pestilence. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. The best part of this psalm is this. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flieth by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noonday. The word of God memorized will drive out from us fear. But you've got to memorize it. Take this, take your Bible. This is theologically okay, Brian, isn't it? You take your Bible, you lay it on the Xerox machine, you press the button, and out comes a scripture. And you take the one that you think you need, and you cut it out, and you take this, and this becomes your memory verse to overcome fear. Simple, but not easy. Amen? You're starting to walk up the path to the mountain and you're heading up. It's the repentance path. This is the first place you stop. You get your first one out. I got another one. This is kind of for the guys more than the girls. Guys, what's this say? Boat lust. Follow me. Have you guys ever seen a Baja brand boat? Have you ever seen those? The Baja boat? Nobody? Serious. Have you? Please help me out here. There's a boat brand called Baja Boats. And if you're into boats, man, you just want to buy it and just park it in the barn and just look at it. That's boat lust. There's all kinds of lust. Gun lust. New kitchen lust. New house lust. All kinds of things. There's other worse lusts, too. We won't talk about them. We know those. So, for boat lust, we turn to Romans chapter 13, 11. You guys, this works, I'm telling you. Do you believe me? Do you believe you could have a repetitive sin that you struggle with? And if you go find a word and you write it down in your own handwriting or you Xerox it, do you believe you can break the power of that repetitive sin by memorizing Scripture? David said so. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The reason I'm saying this, and I'm, I'm kind of hammering this pretty hard, but we know Jesus warns us in the time, okay, not the time of the end. What's he say? He says that at a certain time in history that iniquity shall abound so much so that the love of many will wax cold. How do we fight against the iniquity that is around us that seems to be increasing in our culture? It's just getting worse, you guys. I mean, some TV, you can't even watch that stuff anymore. It's like, God, where does this come from? And some of the songs, that I mean, I turn that stuff off. Romans thirteen eleven. 
And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in strife and envying, not in drunkenness, not in rioting, chambering, which that relates to sex, and wantonness, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So we can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision. It's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. It is when you are with your quiet time in the morning or whenever you do it, driving down the road, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will make not provision for the lust to fulfill the lust thereof. Your boat lust will go away. You won't worry about that boat or that go-kart or that deer rifle or that new house or that hot tub or other things that we think we need to have. It breaks the power of that. The only reason I can say that is because I, I was wrestling with some stuff I got so tired of it. I just went, I found these verses. I put them on a the piece of paper and I just, I memorized them over and over. It took forever, you guys, because I'm not very good at memory anymore. But as I did this, the whole mental practice that happens before you commit sin went away. My mind train, my thought train was renewed because the Bible does say, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which is after God, created in righteousness and true holiness. We can do that. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from a little bit of unrighteousness. Right? What's the word? All, all unrighteousness. As we sit in this congregation, we can be delivered from all unrighteousness. And we walk out in the grace of God. And we live in the grace of God. And you guys, I'll say this. As I, as you grow, I don't know if you, as you age or whatever, you can look back and you can see the grace of God working in people's lives. And it's kind of obscure sometimes. But, you know, some of you guys, you, we know each other fairly good. Some of you guys, we well, I wish we knew you better, but maybe that'll be. But the grace of God works in our lives in such a way that these things don't dominate our thought lives anymore. What used to freak us out and trip us up 25 years ago, it's gone. We don't have to deal with it. And that's the part of this. He cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. Confess the uncleanness in your cup. Act like you got a cup in your hand. Hold a cup. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's see it. Hold your cup. Don't show anybody. What's inside that cup that you need to be cleansed of? Whoa. <laughs> it's like, what's in that cup? Whoa. It stinks too. 
But you get that in your mind and say, well, this is what I need to be cleansed of. Okay? If we can realize that we're not perfect, obviously. Jesus knew that. Ask God to help you stay on the repentance path and overcome your repeating sins that you commit. Whatever they are. Try to name them right now. Not out loud. Don't do that. Don't write them on paper. Don't show them to anybody. It's a private thing here between you and me. But ask them to forgive. We were talking. Oh, I won't go there. But we used to have to go to. I don't want to bum anybody out here. In the, I was raised not in a Pentecostal church. I was raised in a different denomination and we would go to confession. And I only knew one sin that I ever committed. And so when I would go in to confess my sin, I'd say I've been mean to my brother. I didn't think I had any other sins. So I thought I was a pretty good kid. And, and the person behind the screens told me what to do to take care of all that. As I got older, I realized I'm a sinner. I need Jesus as my Savior. And if I don't have Jesus as my Savior, I know what the eternal consequence is. And I was, the Lord said, check it out, John. We have issues here. And he came to me in a very sweet, excellent, almost like a breeze of wind. And he forgave me. And I was like, whoa, I've never felt this before. It was the day I got saved. And the people that were praying with me were like, John, you're, you're saved. You're redeemed now. You're done. You're in the kingdom. I went, yeah. And it was like a Paul conversion. I, I never looked back because it was so sweet. Anyway. Remember your scriptural status. Romans 8, 1. John chapter 3, verse 1. And 1 John 1, 7. You have to remember those are your scriptural status of your righteousness. And you confess those often. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, there's another one. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. I don't care how you wrestle against the sin or disobedience that you struggle with in your life. All things have become new. And you have been cleansed. Clean. Your cup is empty and it's pitch white on the inside. No more of this. And God stands closely to you like a personal Savior. The term I wrestled with the most as a young heathen, alcoholic, drug abuser, was the personal Lord and Savior was right there to take care of my struggle with my sin. In the early days, it was a lot of junk going on, and, and he, he took care of it. He removed it. Well, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength after a while. It's like, hey, we can do this. I want to pray for you guys. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your excellent, excellent grace that would help us to overcome this stuff we wrestle with. It's embarrassing. We don't want to tell anybody. If people knew... They would be amazed. So we've kept it to ourselves for a long time. And we come to you today because my Bible tells me 
the blood of Jesus forgives us of all of our sin. And whatever this is, Lord, that we wrestle with, boat lust, fear, anxiety, worry, you name it, all kinds of crazy stuff, negative actions and reactions to people. We need you, Lord, to clean our cup out. We can't do this ourselves. We've tried many times. But I ask that you would help us today. That when we walk out of today, we would say, wow, Jesus has forgiven me of every sin. Even though he knows I would commit it again, he still has cast all these sins into the sea. Never to be remembered by him again that we are the sons of God without rebuke in this crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine as lights in the world. That we, Lord, will be set free and whatever it is that holds us down, you'd help us to grasp the word of God in all your importance, Lord. And that would be our deliverance would be the scriptures that would heal us and pull us out of any mind struggle, any physical struggle, emotional struggle in Jesus name. In Jesus name, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who has us, who will never leave us nor forsake us despite anything, Lord. That's the coolest part. You're with us to the very end. Amen. This is almost a long lost practice among Christians. We just don't repent. We're kind of moving along and in some other way. God wants us. To live close, and this practice would be what would deliver us from the stuff that tries to hold us down. Amen.